When we go through times such as these, where many are losing their jobs or are dealing with the stress of tasks that once were simple, such as grocery shopping or watching a loved one battle against an illness or battling against one yourself, the question that always comes up is, what is faith? What is trusting God? Sure, we can point to different scripture passages about what faith is, but when the rubber meets the road and we're faced with an incredibly difficult dangerous, heartbreaking, or downright scary experience, the temptation is always there for us to forget about faith. While there are several striking examples of people having faith in God in the Bible, one holds an extremely real and human place in the human heart. In my last devotional message, I mentioned how now would be a great time to either read for the first time or reread the Gospel of Matthew individually or as a family or both. Matthew 8, 23 through 27 are just four verses, but they give us such a poignant account of faith. And oddly enough, it's the faith of the Son of God. We read, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Now, obviously, Jesus was exhausted at the time. He was always exhausted. He would get up well before everyone else to go by himself to pray. And Mark's account of this experience tells us that it was evening when Jesus and his disciples got into this boat. He had had a long day teaching the crowds of people. But I also wonder if Jesus was doing something on purpose as well to prove a point. He and his disciples get on a boat and start heading across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus passes out from exhaustion. And as the Sea of Galilee is widely known for, a storm kicked up out of nowhere. The storm was so dangerous that the boat tossed so to and fro that waves were coming up over the sides of the boat and, as Luke tells us, were filling the boat. And what I get a kick out of this is the fact that Luke tells us that as soon as they had left land, Jesus settled in for a nap. Jesus wasn't a fool. He knew that the Sea of Galilee was notorious for quickly developing dangerous storms. Nobody settled in for a nap when crossing the Sea of Galilee. But yet that's exactly what Jesus did. And even when the storm comes up and there's thunder crashing and lightning flashing and the boat is rocking so violently back and forth that waves are coming up and filling the boat with water, what's Jesus still doing? He's still sleeping. This is an image of complete and total trust in the power, sovereignty, and control of God the Father over the entire world. This is what resting in the peace of God looks like in the most radical way. Jesus is literally resting in the peace of his Father while the world was basically ending for him and his disciples. The disciples were no fools. Peter, James, John, and Andrew had dealt with a lifetime of storms on the Sea of Galilee. When they said they were going to die by drowning from this storm, they weren't exaggerating. These were hardened fishermen, spending their whole lives braving what this lake threw at them. They saw that all the specifics of this experience were lining perfectly up for them 
to die. And from what we know of humanity, especially these four guys, wanted to prove to Jesus that they could take care of him and protect him. So when they go wake up Jesus and start shouting in his face, by the way, who likes being woken up like that? Anyway, when they go wake up Jesus and start shouting in his face, this was the last resort. They knew that this was the end. They knew they were staring death in the face. They had done all that they could do with all their years of experience and knowledge of how to deal with storms like this, and there was literally nothing else they could do. I'm sure they didn't want to wake up their master, but there was nothing else they could do. They had tried everything, and there was now nothing else that could be done. Now, that sounds awfully familiar to us as humans, doesn't it? We try everything we can think of to do in our flesh and with our human experience and wisdom, and then we try to trust God with those circumstances. I read a news article the other day where a farmer was lamenting that the dairy industry was tanking because of the current pandemic and no one was really going out to buy milk. You don't think about something like that. The farmer is getting hit hard in this current economic situation. But there is such an oversupply of milk that many dairy farmers are having to just pour it out. But my point is this, in an interview with this certain dairy farmer, he remarked at the end of everything he could do as a person, that at the end of everything he could do as a person, quote, I guess it's just time to put our faith in God and do our best. Hope that through prayer, we can get through it. Now, I'm not faulting this poor farmer, but this is usually our go-to strategy. Try to do everything in our power and every in any given situation, and then when all else fails, think, well, I guess the only thing left to do is to trust God and hope that he does something. Is that really faith? No. What faith looks like is Jesus sleeping in this boat. Picture it. There's an extremely violent storm batting this boat back and forth that he and his disciples are in. And these hardened fishermen are scared out of their minds and truly think they're going to die right then and there. And Jesus is sleeping peacefully. Why? How? There's no way I could do that. There's no way any of us could do that. As soon as any of us heard the crashing thunder, felt the rushing wind on our face, and the tossing of the boat to and fro, and the flooding water touching our feet, we'd be awake. But Jesus, sleeping so peacefully in the middle of all this, was proving a point. His point was giving not only his disciples, but us today, a concrete image of what faith looks like perfectly resting in the peace of God. Again, why and how? Well, just two chapters ago in Matthew 6, Jesus had boldly declared that none of us has any legitimate reason to worry about anything. Those are pretty bold words, but his foundation for all of it was this, your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. That is how and why Jesus was able to settle in for a nap, and that is how Jesus stayed asleep during that raging storm. He knew that the Father already knew about his needs. He knew that if anything was going to happen to him, his Father had already known about it. If his Father was going to intervene, he would do it. If his Father wasn't, just such as when he was hanging on the cross, he still trusted his Father with it. And that's why Jesus told the crowds that they weren't to focus on anything they could be worrying about. 
All they were to be focused on was seeking the furthering of God's kingdom here on earth, and God would take care of all the rest. God will take care of feeding us, and if you're in need, our food pantry will be open for curbside pickup only this Saturday, April 18th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's one way he can and will provide for us through his church. God will take care of providing for every single one of our needs. No good will come from worrying about tomorrow, as Jesus also says in Matthew 6. It will only drain the joy from today. Rest in the peace and promises of God. But you might ask, how can we do that when everyone else is dealing with so much loss right now? Loss of income, loss of job security, loss of health, loss of security of having a home. We're not like everyone else. Jesus says in Matthew 6, the worries of this life consume the thoughts of unbelievers. They consume the thoughts of unbelievers because this world and what the world can give them is all that they have. They do not have the peace of God. They do not have the peace of being a child of God and knowing God takes care of his children. So it's okay that everyone else is losing their minds because that's not who we are. We are children of the creator and sustainer of the universe, and we know that he will take care of us. Our job is to rest in that peace and offer the source of that peace to those around us who are losing their minds and who have no hope. That's furthering the kingdom of God. So it's no wonder that when Jesus wakes up, he shouts over the thunder and the rushing wind and the crashing waves. Why are you afraid? You have such little faith. Knowing everything he's already taught them, it makes complete and logical sense. If you had even the teensiest amount of faith, you would be as calm as I am right now. Don't you know who created the water and the wind and the storm patterns? The same God who I just told you not too long ago will take care of your every need, including your life. And then to prove his point in the most radical and breathtaking way, Jesus turns to the storm and shows it who's boss. He doesn't timidly ask it to stop. He doesn't even pray against it. He boldly rebukes it, telling it that it has no place doing what it's doing and telling it to knock it off like a parent to a petulant child. That's all that storm was in Jesus' eyes. Not a scary monster, not an impossible situation, a petulant child in need of some rebuking. And you know what? Jesus' authority has not waned since that experience. In fact, it's only grown since he defeated death, and it will only grow when the Father takes all the enemies of God and makes Jesus' footstool. That is the king we serve. So we will not fear. We will not worry. We will not give the enemy an ounce of satisfaction that he's gotten under our skin. We will not lose sleep. We will rest in the peace and simple promises of God. No matter what is happening to everyone else around us, and no matter what happens to our country, and no matter what happens to this world, we will take what opportunities we have in our individual contacts to share the hope and peace that we have and where that comes from. A growing and deepening relationship with God by accepting Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf and asking Him for forgiveness of our sins. 
And let us, as the disciples did, marvel at Jesus by saying, Who is this? That even the storms of this life must bow before him. Resting in God's peace is a form of worship. So let us as a church family worship our mighty God by resting in his peace. The Bible tells us that he has written every day of our lives, including how many days our lives will last and what will happen in them in his book before we were even conceived. So let us worship our creator and our father who saved us by knowing he will take care of us and sustain us. Even as the world around us spins out of control and so many are grasping at anything that will give them some kind of peace, let us show them what faith is by simply resting in the peace of God and focusing on furthering his kingdom here on earth.